You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Making Waves Welcome to Making Waves, episode 86. Please welcome Mr. David Ellison. How are you? How are you doing? Dave, thank you for joining us yet again, my friend. Um, yeah, you had a lot going on in the first go-round, and yeah. you haven't stopped working. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, no, you're but, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and that's always, I mean, you're, you know, you're prolific, creative, you're, you know, everything's going. And, yeah. um, but I think this latest, uh, I'm just going to call it a project. You'll have to excuse my language. Yeah. I, I don't know if you have anything else. Well, anyway, I think this is one that's going to get a lot of people excited about um, because, well, it's something a lot of us, including myself, and I'll go into that, has been yearning for. And that's basically you kind of going back and delving back into the, well, the early Megadeth years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing uh, the Mega years with Kings of Thrash. It's you and, and uh, your former partner, uh, Jeff Young. Yeah. And Chris Poland, I believe. Um, yeah. Also another original Megadeth guitar player there. Uh, joining you guys. I got to ask, man, before we get into kind of like everything about it, what was the genesis for this? Well, you said it. It's what people have been asking for. And I noticed about, well, what was it? 2018, I think it was, when we did the final kill uh, remix and remaster of uh, Killing Is My Business. And and the final kill was like, okay, now we're done. Like, this is the third time of this, right? Because the original came out and Nine, um, 1985, there was a remix, I think, in 2001. Uh, that was the first one, and then this one in 2018. And I just felt it. I, you know, I'm probably the one guy uh, from Megadeth over the years that, you know, kept my ear to the ground of what, of what people were asking for. Because I was available. You know, I'd go down Shiprock. I would go do these things, and I'd make myself, you know, available. I always tried to be approachable, you know, to the public and stuff. And... Um, I heard it. I mean, people were going, man, like, you know, when are you going to play some of the older stuff? And I know fans were asking for more than kind of the standard sort of 12 arena rock songs that are in the set list. And there's a reason they're there because they work in those big venues. Um, And in fact, part of the reason we started writing those songs in the 90s is because as we started playing the arenas in these bigger places, this fast, thrashy stuff from Killing Is My Business and, you know, that old stuff was, it was just harder to discern in the bigger rooms, you know? so ironically, popularity kind of took us away from the very thing that made us popular um, and, you know, a common thing in the music business. And, and obviously we did well with it in the 90s and transitioned to new things. But, you know, last October, I guess it was, yeah, it was definitely October, but it was, uh, I, was I appeared at the Chiller Theater, which is a big autograph show up in New Jersey. And um, Megadeth and uh, the metal tour of the year had just gone through with Lamb of God and Trivium and stuff. And people were coming to me in droves first saying, man, really sad. You're not there, you know, bummed that you're not with the group anymore. "Eh, Well, look, you know, whatever. (laughs) I've been not with the group before. So, you know, we move on. (laughs) It's not, it's like, yeah, I've seen this movie before. So uh, to me, it's kind of like, well, it is what it is. But people were bringing to me in droves, they're killing us by business record, you know? And as I heard them say, like, we're tired of the same, you know, set list every year. And I was hearing it when I was in the band, you know, that, and, and even a few years ago, um, even a couple of years ago on the Five Finger Death Punch tour in Europe, you know, it's really making a push to put some stuff from So Far So Good So What in there and some deep cuts from side two of P-Cells and this stuff. And, um, 
And so I, I, you know, for me, you know, I was on the pulse of what that was in my opinion. So, um, you know, then now I'm at this autograph show there and it just hit me. And so I came home and I talked to the promoter here in town in Phoenix, who was actually doing our show. And he was the first one I brought it up to. I went to his office and, and for another matter, actually. And then I said, Hey, not for nothing. What do you think about this? And he told me, he said, he goes, you know, it's funny. (laughs) That's how Creedence Clearwater Revisited started. John Fogarty sort of bugged off on his own, went solo, and then wouldn't play any CCR songs, right? So people are like, mm-hmm. dude, what the hell? And so those, and so Danny, the promoter, he's friends with those guys. They, a couple of them lived here in Phoenix. And, and they, so they put together Creedence Clearwater Revisited, right? They kind of a, a spin on it. And, and, and like he said, he goes, look, these are your songs. This is part of your life, and especially with Jeff Young on So Far So Good Sweat, Chris Poland on Killing Is My Business in this case on this tour. And, you know, there's, um, you know, there's just, there's, there's an excitement. It's funny that sometimes the best path forward is to return to your past. And, um, and I think that's, that's what we found when we started putting this together. So with a little kind of behind the scenes test marketing, it seemed like that is a freaking killer idea, man. So that's, that's where it all started. And then ironically, Jeff called me, Jeff Young, in early May. Um, it turns out, you know, Chuck Wright uh, from Quiet Riot fame mm-hmm. uh, hosts the Ultimate Jam Night out at the Whiskey in Hollywood. And <laughs> out of nowhere, they did, they'd done a Van Halen one, they did a Randy Rhodes one, and Jeff Young had been a part of all those. And they wanted to do a tribute to the big four, um, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. So Jeff called me and goes, dude, you want to come out next Tuesday and jam a couple songs? I said, yeah, as long as it's only old school shit, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to play Symphony of Destruction and do all that stuff. I mean, those songs are fine, but, you know, they've been heard. I said, let's go in. Let's pull out Mary Jane. You know, um, let's let's deep dive this a little bit. So um, and then we played In My Darkest Hour, which, you know, has, has been in the Megadeth set. But mm-hmm. that's a track he played on uh, on the record. And um so we did. We just jumped up and played three tunes, and it was like, whoa, like that got thumbs up. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a ask a few people, take it on the stage to do just a quick punch in the face, and then it's, you know, it's kind of the bitch slap moment. You know, it's like, whoa, it's like, yeah, that's freaking, that hurt, and that's good. I like that. <laughs> you know, so, so that's from there. It's, then we just move forward with, with putting the thing together. Let me ask you with the promoter, was that Danny Zalisco? It is. Danny is. Yeah, I was going to say, if anyone's going to have a a proper on the money opinion about something, it's going to be him. Yeah. And, you know, so the first couple of times we came out here and played uh, Megadeth, you know, I guess Killing is My Business. And then I think probably early on the P-Cells tour, we would play the Mason Jar, which is now it's called the Rebel Lounge. But it's, you know, in Detroit, you got Blondie's. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, we've all got one, right. And now in New York, it would be St. Vitus, you know, that kind of that, mm-hmm. that cool divey place. Right. And it's where we all played in Flotsam and Jetsam. When Jason Newstead was still in the band, they would open for us. And then we'd go over to Jason's house and have these raging parties. And <laughs> so that was kind of how we, you know, that was part of the, the community. Right. And, um, and then, then when we got signed to, so probably the next time around the P-Cells tour, um, we, well, I guess we would have played her with Alice Cooper and that would have been a Danny's Lesko show, Evening Star. And then everything after that, Danny has done, you know, almost exclusively here. So, you know, family friend, longtime friend of the professional community. So yeah, definitely a guy I go to, to get the no bullshit read on stuff, you know? What, what was so exciting for me being, uh, now real quickly, I, I'll bore you for a second. When I was in college, uh, so Far, So Good was one of those albums that kind of got me through. I went to school at UT. All my friends were into the Pixies and XTC and all the bands that were kind of the college flavor. But yep. I was a guy listening to So Far, So Good and like Injustice for All and, you know, in Persistence in Time. But So mm-hmm. Far always struck me is it was an incredible album. It was just so different from what you did with Peace Cells. It was like a lot of nuances there, a little change in dynamics, especially with um, – um, in my darkest hour, but it's right. also, I remember that time when it came out because then a lot of people remember that era of the band through decline of Western civilization, the metal years. Right. Right. You yeah. guys played a massive part in, <coughs> we did. in, in that <clears throat> and, and know the interviews and how you guys described it because you, whatever Penelope was focusing on as that movie, you guys are a total outlier. 
but also 100%. the highlight, yeah. the highlight, because it was the <clears> most, <throat> you guys are the most pro outfit for one. You had a name already, but it was just, it was just exciting new form of metal that was still kind of burgeoning and really getting ready to right. bubble up. But I find fascinating, and I think Chad will agree too, and yourself, <clears> is that you kind of almost are getting this at the right time because now, and I hate to use it, but with the whole Master of Puppets, Stranger Things things, kids yeah. now have started discovering metal from that era. Yeah. Who do you go look for? If you're not looking for Metallica, <clears throat> you look for Megadeth next. Yeah. And those first three albums are like, you know, they're the template. They're, you know, they're, they're seminal albums in that whole genre. So now they're going to go, wait, I can actually hear these records played live now? Holy shit. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I, I totally, I totally agree, and it, it is. It's, um, <clears throat> you know, I noticed that when I went back to the band in 2010, we were doing the Rust in Peace record uh, in its entirety. It was the first time Megadeth had ever done sort of a theme tour around performing a, an album in its entirety. And I remember there was a show. I seem to think it was the AT and T Center in San Antonio where the Spurs play. And I remember the kids down in the front were very, you know, they were like high school kids. And they all look like they just bought their Megadeth t-shirts over at Hot Topic, which they probably right. did, right? Because they're young, sure. right? And that's where they shop and Tilly's and all this stuff. And, you know, then behind that, back by the soundboard, was the next generation. And then up in the seats were, you know, people like us, right? <laughs> probably, you know, well, I should say me. I'm 57, my age, right? No, so, we're like, all this, you know, we're all there. We're all there. They'd all been in the mosh pit. So now there's sure. a fourth generation, right? So now, since then, that was 2010, so now we're 2012, so now there's another generation. Because about every 10 years, a new generation flips over, right? Mm -hmm. So now <clears throat> there's another one. And they and you're right, they do want to know about this stuff. They want to do, I mean, like Post Malone's got a so far so good so what tattoo on his, you know, on his elbow. And I mean, that was kind of a clear indicator of, okay, if this guy is like the coolest thing in this, you know, a couple of years ago when he was really popping, you know, right at the beginning of his of his big hit there. It's like, okay, this guy's in the Pantera and so far so good. So, so it's kind of like, okay, you can see that coming, you know? And, you know, it's funny to the Killing Is My Business tour because, you know, it was always just one record. Like both of those records, to some degree, always had some sort of something we weren't always settled in in the recording and the mixing. And we just, could, there were records that we could never just kind of get them settled and seated properly, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why, you know, even so far so good. So, what was remixed? Um, but, um, the, the material is there and that's what we're finding out. Uh, we were talking before Fred aching, our drummer who, whose day job is playing drums in the bullet boys, who, by the way, made a really good record. Um, I, I love Mark and I, I love that first bullet boys record. So I've kind of always paid attention to them. And mm -hmm. Fred is an amazing drummer, kick-ass thrash drummer. Um, and, and a skilled player, you know, um, our, our singer Chaz, it's funny. He's in a Megadeth tribute band. I didn't know this. Right. So we're, we meet at the whiskey <laughs> by the show. Wait, 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 and, you're kidding. Uh, yeah. I swear to God. And, and we go and we go, and they said, Hey, by the way, Chaz is going to be your singer tonight. So it's like, all right, cool. And, and he, he played good and he sang good. And he's got these kind of, you know, some mustaine nuances, which I thought, well, that's kind of it. Like in, you know, like in May My Darkest Hour, you just laugh, wow, 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 bitch, wow. you know, and he kind of, I was like, fuck, that's like exactly what Dave would do right there, right? <laughs> you know, like that yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he said, he goes, well, I'm in, I'm in a Megadeth Tribute band called Woke Up Dead. He goes, you actually jammed with me once when you did a book signing for your book, More Life with Death, down in La Jolla, California. He goes, remember there's that old, that big bookstore, and we were out on the sidewalk jamming Megadeth songs, and you came out and jammed with, I said, that was you guys? And, uh, and so were they, funny were they busking? That, were they busking? Megadeth? They, <laughs> what do you mean busking? I don't, I don't, I just out there like, you know, a couple of guys grabbing acoustic guitars. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. They were, uh, they were like a real band set up on the side. Okay. With their drums. No, no, like it was the real deal. <laughs> and, um, so then as I learned, he also plays in a, uh, a sound garden tribute band. Oh, and wow. I saw a picture of him with his hair down. I'm like, Oh my God, he's, he is Chris Cornell. So what's, yeah. what's cool about it is he's got, the ability to really, you know, get inside these songs. Um, yet he's got incredible pipes, um, as you would if you're going to sing in a Soundgarden tribute band. Yet, you know, he doesn't sound like Chris Cornell singing Megadeth stuff. So it's it's really, he's just like the right flavor. Because that was really the thing is you go, you know, probably even, I don't know if Danny brought it up, but, you know, as I talked to a few people, they're kind of like, well, who are you going to get the, excuse me, who are you going to get to sing? Because that's, that's kind of it, you know, and it doesn't have to, you know, the thing doesn't have, like, there's me and Jeff, we're already the guys from the band, 
Mm-hmm. So everybody else doesn't have to just, you know, we're not going out to be a mega the tribute man, right? We're going out to, you know, I always kind of say it's like Roger Waters going out and doing his songs of Pink Floyd that he wants to do, you know, sure. Gilmore does his, Roger does his. And, and that's kind of what this is, you know, is making us out doing a tour. They're promoting their new album. We're over here going back in time and bringing out some, some classics. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting too, and obviously having Chris along as well. I mean, it just really does legitimize what you're doing, right? Without people trying to make some weird comparison because they're going to. Because well, Megadeth's that's out there. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's I'm just as part of that heritage as anyone else. That's even even totally. Dave, even Mustaine. That's yours. You were there from day one, and yeah. having, but it's so interesting though to, to to Jeff Young. I was like, when that name, I was like, man, where the heck has he been? And that's what's kind of cool about it is Jeff is not overplayed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, it's interesting is, you know, he's doing a ton of the heavy lifting on this. I mean, every, those guys are rehearsing every few days in LA. I pop out from time to time to just run through stuff and tighten it up. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought he just played four solos, uh, liar, hook and mouth, darkest hour. Um, what was the other one? Was it Mary Jane? I guess it was Mary Jane, right? Um, but he did all this acoustic guitar work on the record. He did a lot of rhythm guitar work, especially on Mary Jane. Um, he did a lot of stuff. And, and what's interesting is he said after Megadeth, he goes, I just intentionally forgot how to play like Megadeth at all, you know, um, and, um, and got on with his life and his career and did what he did. So it's fun to watch him come back and enjoy the fun of learning the songs because the songs are very musical. They're very, very clever. Um, it was a different era. Obviously we were, everything was new. Everything was mm-hmm. the next, you know, exploration for us. And even killing is my business. I said, you know, these songs have a lot of swagger to them. There's a lot of, and I always go to like the scope beneath the skin. Right. It's like these real, like if you slow it down to where we originally wrote the song, where it was this very like plotting almost Black Sabbath tempo, mm-hmm. you can really hear all of the the upstroke and the cleverness, the movement. I mean, and Merciful Fate was a was a really big band that Dave was always pointing to, who I had not heard of yet until he introduced me to him. And it's like, man, as any start to go in and listen to that stuff, you can hear that in some of, some of the writing. Um, and as much as, as much as Metallica kind of took off with diamond head and in that direction, and you can hear some of that in, in Dave's writing in the early Megadeth stuff too, but you know, the merciful fate stuff, which is really haunting and dark and, and these, you know, half step, you know, diminished, they call it the devil's triad, right? It's the flatted fifth. Mm-hmm. It's the diminished thing, right? It's the devil's triad. Mm-hmm. And apparently you'd get beheaded for using this back in like the 16th century. So we were like, ah, this is fucking cool. So, you know, to hear those chord shapes um, in there and even like killing is my business. I don't think I ever heard Dave sing that lyric until we were in the studio uh, cutting the track. And then he, he was in the vocal booth and he cut it. And I was like, that is the most melodic mercenary song i've ever heard in my life you know because like killing is my business dun, da, da, ba, ba, right it's like it's almost like jazz kind of thing and um so it was really you know it was it was cool because there's this really you know kind of demonic dark heaviness about this these records yet there's this melody that dave was very good at singing um and only he could do it which is why i really encouraged him to be the singer in the beginning you know um yeah. after singer number 20 flaked out on the audition on new year's eve of 1983 you know he, he just took it he just he just took a lyric that i think it was like chosen ones he just pinned it on the wall and stepped up to the mic and sang and almost passed out from you know not being able to breathe right and sing and play and all this stuff you know i was just like dude that is awesome he goes really i said come on i said you're writing stuff these lyrics it's like who else is going to sing this stuff it's like i remember watching it we'd sit down and he tried to explain to these kind of like hair metal singers but coming in with their scarves and all their cool stuff you know from the hollywood strip you know probably from the probably from the what decline of western civilization right yeah, to be yeah. in the decline of western civilization coming yeah. in trying to sing this stuff and it's like they didn't have a clue i mean they thought they're coming in to be vince neal or you know sing some you know 
some other kind of flavor of this. And it's like, yeah, this is stuff they no one had heard this before. And they're like just dumbfounded, you know. So yeah. there was kind of only one path up the mountain, which is Dave, you're gonna have to sing this shit. I don't think any of us could even care to think about hearing those songs about Dave's venom being spewed. So, you know. Yeah. And and, and you know, the truth of it is, it's it's one of the moments where I learned, you know, being a great vocalist you're vocalizing right so you're expressing you're telling a story you're you know you're 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 doing that it's more than just hitting the pitches and singing and having this nice vibrato and those things are nice too if they apply but you know this was about really you know getting into the character of the part and and that that singing is acting you know you're really you become that character and uh you're delivering the lines, you know, just like a, just like an actor. So, um, and again, like I said, since Dave was writing the screenplay, guess what? You're the lead actor, you know? Yeah. Right. Especially in metal. I mean, the, I mean, the idea of what those lyric Megadeth lyrics, you know, really, really ring on where they touch it. There's no way that there was somebody walking out there. That's not behind bars that have done, done half the things that Dave's written and saying about. So like the idea of acting is just goes hand in hand with metal. You can't just like take that and place it in your real life, you know, where yeah, you know, maybe like cooing and love songing and for all intents and purposes from earlier, Harry Styles thing or whatever, you could probably be both of those things and nobody would be like, you should probably be locked up, you know? <laughs> well, and that's why, you know, it's interesting with Kings of Thrash to hear Chaz, you know, I look at him, I go, okay, what is your background? What do you do for a day job? Like, who are you? Like, what yeah. in your right mind are you doing this for? You know what I mean? And, um, and it's funny because, you know, he, he's like all of us, we're all fans of certain artists and stuff. And, and, you know, there's a, a, um, a distinct, uh, group of musicians who do really good job playing covers. They probably make more money than half of us who have had record deals, you know, and, uh, and, and then there's bands that go out and, you know, develop a, a sort of a, a shtick and an act that, that comes out of being covers. I mean, Steel Panther is probably the biggest of that, you know, who, who, who also can write great original material. Um, and then, you know, you've got sort of the, the, the tribute band, uh, faction, you know, who do great. I mean, you know, I, I love to see them. I love to see these Judas Priest and Kiss tribute bands and, you know, and, and, and as a fan, I can just see these people getting on stage just going, well, didn't work to write original music. I really don't like playing. I'm not going to go play country. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put my Gene Simmons wig on. I'm going to go out and freaking like, be in a Kiss tribute band and really owning it because that's really that's everything you love about music and and you know so guys you know doing it with megadeth tributes and slayer tributes and whatever i i totally get it well i think I a lot that. of fans didn't get a chance to see certain eras of band like let's take kiss i mean if you want to see 1975 kiss you see the band alive right because they replicate that and that's to me that's kiss that what they became the disneyland stuff is interesting I have the lunchbox right here to prove it. Um, <laughs> with my with my kiss picks and just fell. Look at this freaking awesome lunchbox. Oh, that's that amazing. Here. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's yeah. like the real deal. Right? Yeah. I think it might even have inside of it. It might does even have a, Does it have a thermos inside that? Dude, oh. it does have a thermos. God damn it. That's there so you go. cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and I even got some <laughs> soup from the soup Nazi in there, too. Right? <laughs> no soup for you. So I'm, re I'm ready to go, like, go to work now. Right? I can yeah. take my... I tell you, man, we never we never outgrow those little those little <laughs> things of our youth that we like, oh, I can't wait to get this lunchbox. And you're 50 going... They, there's a new one. I got to go back to Target and get it. I don't want the wife to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got down at a record store in town as soon as they saw it. I'm like, come on. He goes, all right, we'll do a barter. I forgot what I bartered him for, but whatever it was, it was worth it. You know. So. <laughs> That's so now, cool. Nowadays, you do stuff like I'll put all my uh, I'll put my uh, my birth certificate in there, my passport. That's what that's what that becomes. Cool. Yeah. No one would possibly look in there. It's where we keep all the money. Never. We keep yeah. our passports. All yeah. your gold. Bullion. <laughs> <laughs> like James Bond. 
all the shit we needed to leave the country we put in the KISS lunchbox, you know? Well, Dave, so you've always Kings of Thrash right now is going to be kind of taking up a good portion of your time right now, but you still have so much <coughs> going on. You've got the Lucid. You've got, I don't know what you guys are going to be doing with Hale going, if that's ever happening again. You've got your own project with Ellison. You've got the coffee yeah. company. You've got EMP. you got the books, the films. Where are you at with everything, bud? Outside of yeah, Kings you know, what are you doing? What, what's, you know, what's it's funny. Playing? So, yeah. Co no, coffee's going well. I just sell that through ellisonmerch.com. It's nice because they can ship all around the world, so that's good. You know, the record label, I I changed the direction of that. You know, I originally started it to just basically have a place to put out some of my own boutique things, right? And then I, I started developing and producing some other artists, so I was doing some projects through that. And then, of course, it grew to be a much bigger thing than that. And, um, and I've not kind of now, in its current state rescaled it to just be there available for me to put things out and to do that and you know so much of this stuff is digital now um you know with uh and vinyl becoming so popular the wait times you know it takes us for adele and madonna to put a record out and like there's no vinyl factories anymore so because everything's eaten up um so that's where that's at and yeah musically you know look with the lucid we put out last year um and um really had a just a really tremendous response. And I think it was because it was very unexpected. Um, and I'd like to think it's really good. Um, mm -hmm. I, I certainly like it a lot. Um, and then, um, you know, I have Dieth, which is this uh, Polish death metal group that um, with Galerme from Entombed AD and, and Michal, the drummer from Decapitated. Mm -hmm. uh, we dropped a single. We had this song done. We shot a video when I was over in Europe back in April. And, um, and we, we were just kind of, we scratching the itch right now and just kind of pop it out. So we did in July <laughs> and it just blew up. I mean, they got like a hundred thousand views in four days. Everybody was like, now this is what we're talking about. You know, kind of like Kings of Thrash going back and going heavy and thrashier and so, so people are like diet, right? The, the word diet. death plays a lot in, uh, <laughs> yeah. comes in your life a lot. <laughs> I put in the eye, I put the eye in death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's funny. I was, when we were shooting the video, I was mocking like Hamlet or something. I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, you one must die to themselves, you know, like something like that, you know, to be born again, as to, you know, whatever. Just, I was just being silly. I was just making up stupid King's English. Can't, and, can't. Uh, and, and that's where it came from. I was like, ooh, die freaking cool so we kept that so. so you're doing the death metal thing you've got the thrash thing going on with kings of thrash obviously um when we had you on Shiprock last you were doing some stuff with frank uh you guys gonna revisit uh, the altitudes and attitudes stuff you know we have it just sitting there um i've talked to frank about it in fact i saw him a couple weeks ago when they started the anthrax black label paper tour here in town i went down to mm -hmm. hang with the guys and um you know we always threaten to keep doing more with it even if it's just a song or two because the truth of it is now that we have that out we can even just put one or two songs up digitally and you know just go with that so um you know during the last couple years with covid and everything um it just kind of made it impossible that's a record that we frank and i need to be in the room with our producer jay rust i mean that's just that thing we don't phone that in that's not an internet you know thing at all um so yes at some point we have it active it's just kind of sitting on the side of the road while frank's doing anthrax now and and all that um you know the other record in fact tomorrow there's an announcement going on about it uh it's been announced but is the the record i did with jeff scott soto the ellison soto record and uh that's coming out on rat pack in october and you know it's so weird because you know i'm always doing stuff as you know and working on things and then there's just this strange season right now where it's like all the jets are lined up on the runway, ready to like start flying off one at a time. And, and strategically, I guess that's, you know, you may go, well, you're cannibalizing your, your own stuff, but it's like, well, right. This is when they're ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this is when they're ready. And especially with COVID, you know, a lot of things were held up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Rat Pack does a great job with all of their, vinyl cassettes i mean they make old school jean jacket patches and you know they do all the cool stuff so the ellison soda record is bundled well um i've been working on some of the songs because we've got two shows we're going to do over in italy coming up here in september super fun stuff um i would say probably more in the 
hard rock power metal um, mm-hmm. vein. Um, big, big hooks, big, you know, big riffs, you know, uh, air guitar riffs and big hooky vocals and stuff, you know. Well, that plays that, well in Europe. Um, yeah, so right. Exactly. That, that's that's why I said, I said, you know, Jeff's metal, coming yeah. off, I think Jeff's coming off the Sons of Apollo show somewhere over there. And I said, look, we got one second in time before he then gets comes home and gets busy with Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I've got other things coming up with Kings of Thrash. I said, dude, let's just, I'll fly to Italy. Let's just go to Italy and do these, these couple shows. Cause they're basically the band is Italian guitar. The two guitar players mm-hmm. and the drummer are, are from Italy. So I said, dude, if you can hang behind for a few days, let's, let's rehearse. Let's fire a couple shows off just to say we did. And then it's kind of up and it's out and, you know, and, um, and then we're, we're, that one's, that one's kind of ready to, ready to go. You know? Hey, real quick guys. Uh, we just went live on well, no, Chad, no, no, I was just no, going to no. welcome the Facebook audience. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for joining us tonight on this Wednesday. Uh, we're here with Dave Elson. Uh, you guys know Dave from Megadeth and uh, a plethora of other projects. And right now, he's obviously working on Kings of Thrash, him and Jeff Young from the uh, So Good, So Far, So What uh, era of Megadeth. And they're bringing Chris Pollan along, too, for, uh, well, I guess it's the Mega Years tour. Um, and you guys need to check that out if you guys are are fans of, of that early stage of Megadeth by all means. And uh, obviously Dave is one of the originators of, of thrash and speed metal as we know it today, but we'll continue on with our conversations. And if you have any questions, please drop them in the thread. And first off, uh, Dave, the, the fellows from nonpoint send their love. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Hello, nonpoint fellows. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> My brothers, we spent a lot of time together. It seems like between the boat on tours and various things. Yeah. It's, well, you'll great. do the boat again together in uh, in January. So, we're dude, I'm saying I I wore my shorts. I got my my this is my beach shirt. I'm like ready to go now. Like, so yeah. if we can dock and you know get on the boat and leave like in a couple you hours, and everyone I'm, else, I'm good. It's <laughs> it's hot in Arizona. I'm ready for a cruise. Let's go. Oh shit! Yeah. I forgot you're in you you are in Arizona. That's got to be really yeah. really uncomfortable right now. I thought it was in the hundreds like the other day or something. Right. Well, the only water I see is my pool over there which i'm in two or three times a day i mean literally back right before i got on here i jumped in and swam for a little bit because it's it's hot it's what makes desert living possible hopefully it's not yeah. a mirage it's actually a real pool you know <laughs> swan dive into a pile of yeah do the bugs bunny <laughs> bang you know <laughs> <laughs> I so, uh, so I'm in Detroit and my question that I was going to ask you specifically about Detroit was I I don't think it correlated into me until just today that Vinny is the singer of the lucid and then yes. I was like how do those do it's such a strange pairing and very cool pairing but like right. I could I was trying to figure out like how would have you know <laughs> Vinny's like a timeline <clears throat> i booked him tons of times here with sponge and sure. different projects he's done so how how did that come about as him being the front man for this yes yeah, so you're talking about vin dabrowski who's the singer of sponge who we love like everybody loves sponge sponge is like cheap trick everybody mm-hmm. loves them right whether right. you're a chick a metalhead a kid your first record ever you just love sponge you know and they're just that cool band um well it's funny um <laughs> Uh, so Drew, the guitar player, hit me, said, hey, want to play on something? I did. It became the song that is now Hair uh, on the on the Lucid uh, debut album. <clears throat> and turns out Mike Heller, who also plays in Raven, um, is a part of it. He, he is not only the drummer, but also the producer of it. Wait, wait, Raven, um, Raven, 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 Raven. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. The Raven. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like all for one, kill them all for mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, <clears throat> fantastic musician, great producer. Um, and so Drew, we're sitting there going, God, these tunes are really sounding good. Like, so Drew sends Vinny a message, I think on, on Facebook. Hey man, do you want to sing on some tracks? And I think Vin's like, well, what is it? Okay. So it's David and, you know, Mike Keller and so on and on and um, and he, and, and he hits send and then Drew kind of thought better of it. He goes, not nah, after you know what don't worry about it <laughs> like, like he got scared like what if vin's gonna say no and he said well now you know don't worry about it it's, it's cool and then vin's like well now you got my attention like what is it fill me in right so so he's like the old sales like here it is now nope, you can't have it and yeah. uh so all of a sudden vin was was like all right well what the hell what is this you know so that kind of reeled him in 
And, um, and then he sang some demos and, and, um, we all got together in LA. I was playing, I was recording bass. Uh, this is, so this is two summers ago now, um, during COVID. <clears throat> and, and so, uh, Vin flew out, we hung out and it's so funny with Vinny cause he like actually, you know, walks into the studio, you know, typical singer. I hate to say this about singers, but you know, we always make fun of them. Right. Cause you know, we, we, everybody's got their role in their style. Right. We always make fun of like you know, the singer doesn't have to pack up any gear. He's over picking up chicks after the gig. Meanwhile, the drummer's picking the shit up. The bass player's <laughs> got some big amp. He's got to move, right? And we're like, man, I should have been the singer. He didn't have to do anything. Doesn't have to help load gear or do anything, right? So Vin, being the anti-singer, comes in yeah. with like sandwiches, bringing drinks. You know, he just flew in from Detroit, which was quite a ways away from LA. <laughs> and on a whim, you know, on his own dime. Everybody's kind of doing this on their own dime. And he shows up and Hey, gentlemen, you know, he's kind of got this like chef's sire cat, like, like he just did something wrong and he knows it and you don't, and you're going to ask him what he did. And then he's going to tell you a nice story about it. Like he's just an awesome storyteller. And, uh, and, um, that was our first meeting with Vin. It was like, dude, this guy's cool, man. Like this guy just, just reeks of rock and roll. And, uh, he's just such a good dude and a, just a total rock star and, and brought the goods, man. So it's, I'm, I'm proud to be on a record with him great that's cool i mean now that i'm thinking about, i think i was flying home from uh, De- uh from los angeles to detroit because i saw him in the airport we got on the plane together from los angeles heading back to detroit we didn't talk about what we were doing we just said hey man what's going on because we live here and now uh, this is probably i don't know august 2020 i don't know how long if it was around that period of time but i wonder if it was that uh that session you guys are doing. I bet, you know what? I bet it was because he came out for a few days and then he turned. Yeah. It was like the end of July, early August. I bet that's exactly what it was. So, wow. Yeah. You caught Vin at the, at the downbeat of the formation of the lucid. Who knew? Yeah, that's interesting. I, wow. uh, very cool. I, I just wanted to ask the question because it was such a strange pairing of all the people mm-hmm. and it makes, it sounds incredible and it makes total sense uh, <laughs> when you, when you put all those find uh, details yeah. behind it. It's cool. You know, uh, look, like you said, you know, David Olson known for me, known for Megadeth. And it's like, look, that's, that's always the gig I'll be known from. But you know, the reality of it is I've played on what 13 reg- Megadeth records. I've probably played on, you know, four, three, four times that many with other people, you know, um, just right. Just cause that's what we do. Metal allegiance. We've had that on the boat. Um, mm-hmm. Dave, you know, has been on, the, Dave has been part of 700 projects. Yeah. Yes. I'm actually just inking my 20th record deal this week, if you can believe that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, was, wow, I counted them up. And it might actually be short by a number or two, but I think I'm going to round it at 20. So, uh, yeah. So, um, it's, hey, hey, hey. it's pretty cool. Dave, That's we have cool. a question from uh, one of the Ship Rockers, Angel. Uh, she wants to know, uh, out of all the records you played on, what's been your favorite to play? Or be a part of you know it's funny while we're talking about the lucid the lucid was a super fun record to play on um because it was kind of easy in a way you know it was kind of instead of you know typical i think what people kind of expect you know say holy wars you know very busy you know all this kind of stuff which is also fun this is a record at the point in my life because uh, at the time I was preparing to to you know we get we were working on a Megadeth record, <clears throat> so to just shift gears and go over and make the Lucid record uh, was really really fun. And at the same time, and I'll say this, I'll throw these both in there. Um, Ele- we did under my Ellison solo band, we did a record called No Cover, mm-hmm. and we re- basically covered all my favorite songs out of my own record collection, everything from Sheer Heart Attack to. Sweet F.A. and um, Cheap Trick Albiterzane, um, you know, it, that was a that was really fun because, first of all, I already knew the songs. Um, I had to sit down and obviously learn some parts, but I already knew the song in my heart, you know, because this is stuff in my record collection. And this, it sounds great. Uh, it was a great group of musicians. I mean, you got everybody from Al Jorgensen to Charlie Benante and Dave Lombardo and Frank Hannon from Tesla. I mean, really a wide variety of people mm-hmm. um, to sing on it. And actually, one of the fun, the crowning moment of that is when um, we did Eat the Rich by Crocus. And it was Mark Starace, the singer. It was his birthday. And I, I emailed him 
somehow we got his email and I emailed him the track and said, Hey, happy birthday. Just want to let you know, we covered one of your songs. And, you know, I love your band and, you know, saw you guys on your first tour in America back in, I don't know, 81 or something. So that was, mm -hmm. that was just an awesome moment. You know what I mean? Kind of a, uh, uh, a guy who was a generation ahead of me, you know, as an MTV yep. hero. And yet I, I did some deep dives on his band. So, you know, there's those, those fan moments like that are, like that, these, that, you know, that are fun to, to be able to have. Well, I can't not think of Mark and not think of that Screaming in the Night video where he's strapped to that uh, gypsy wagon and he's being taken to his death. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I know, man. That I mean, is like, <laughs> I mean, let's think about it. Between, between the Motley videos, you know, the Ronnie Dio videos, oh, and then the Crocus videos, right? It was just like, everything just is like evident of guys yeah. evident of guys who knew how to play live but they could not act and it yeah, was it's yeah. always great to still come across those things <laughs> um while you guys are just putting out like you know uh wake wake up dead and it's just you guys playing and then like a crowd trying to attack you in a wrestling ring so yeah right I, you yeah. know, it's funny. I remember we filmed that. I think, seemed to think it was at the Burbank Airport, uh, Wake Up Dead. And it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was Penelope Spiris who did uh, the decline of Western civilization. Yeah. Um, and she, I remember she, she had the cage. She had great ideas. You know, what a clever idea, right? To have us playing in a cage and people climbing all over it and stuff. Sure. And it was, and of course, you know, it takes all day and night. So I remember we were there until three, four in the morning. And I remember, I seem to remember somebody, some kid spray painted one of the airplanes or something, you know, like a very Beavis and Butthead thing to do. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, please don't spray the $20 million liturgy. Uh, he just sprayed the jet. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> hey, uh, we told him we weren't going to do that. He's got the can jet. You, can, you, can you refresh your memory? Did, uh, did Bumblefoot play with you during the Ellison tour? He he right. did um, okay. on a on a couple of occasions. Yeah, the one of the first things you did is a little thing called Bass Story, which is me just mm -hmm. sort of playing uh, some songs, of course, mm -hmm. Megadeth and otherwise, and then telling stories around it. And that started when my first book, um, uh, My Life with Death, came out. Um, a friend of mine, Ryan Downey, who's a friend of all of us, he he hit me one day and said, "Hey, I got a promoter who wants to bring you to Australia to do a." He called it a spoken word tour. I'm like, what the, what is that? Uh, to me, that's like a beatnik poet sitting Slam in a coffee house. Yeah. yeah it's like, I'm like, I'm a freaking heavy metal bass player. What the hell am I, what am I going to sit there and read my book? And then. He's going to fucking drum with them. I moved to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, right. This will take hours, you're, you're, right? You're a modern day <laughs> Allen Ginsberg. Exactly. So yeah. he said, he goes, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, well, that makes it even worse. So I thought, well. I got a bass here. Let me take a bass because that's always a good default. My bass has been a good friend to me, you know. Um, so I figured worst comes to worst, I'll kind of do a clinic something or other, which is kind of what happened. I said, I sort of figured it out on that tour. Um, and, uh, and then I came, went right to Nashville and then I played, actually I did one solo. I did a solo show in Mexico City. I was like, oh shit, what am I going to play here? And I did. I kind of figured all this stuff out. And then I went right to Nashville and recorded the Dystopia Megadeth album. And, you know, that's how you, that's how this stuff happens, <laughs> how it happens is you just, you know, Hey, do you want to do this? Uh, sure. You know, and then you go, Oh God, what did I just commit to? What, what am I doing here? You know, and you just yeah. make it up. And, um, that's, I guess the beauty of rock and roll. So yeah. when Bumble and I did that, it was a base story. Um, and then he, you know, kind of did direct support to me. And so he did his evening and we all know Bumble. I mean, very entertaining. He can play any song ever written front set forwards and backwards and um on two necks and all this stuff and so he was really a lot of fun to drive in, in fact you know it's funny i never heard the chinese democracy album until we were because he and i were driving around in the car together and uh he's riding shotgun he's my co-pilot so he goes when you're chinese democracy I, said, I never did hear that album so he played it for me and told me some stories and and then he had uh, was it art of anarchy um mm -hmm. and he yeah. had one one record that scott wyland sang on and then the other one that scott stapp sang on i i think that's the best work scott has done since like the creed human clay record it's it's great hmm. if you is haven't heard of anarchy i don't think i think it's is it art of anarchy is that what it was? art of anarchy yep that was oh, the band the bubble that bubblehead right yeah Yep. Yep. Well, I just brought records. up I just brought up his name because again he'll be joining us on Shiprock as well. So it's great all yeah. these little reunions are gonna happen. Some cool totally. stuff comes out of that kind of situation. Maybe we'll like, play Chinese democracy on the boat. Yeah, let's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> next. Um hey uh uh Amy wants to know 
out of all the stuff you've played, is there a certain genre you haven't played you'd like to give it a shot? You know, I've done so much of what I like to do. I mean, like we talked about, I've got power metal, death metal, thrash metal, all this stuff. I've played on Christian records. I've done, you know, look, I, I growing up in Minnesota on the farm, I completely rocked out against country music because it was all that was around me, right? And um, it just wasn't my thing. And I, but yet I'd watch Hee Haw, you know, mostly because they had cool guitars and I would do anything to just grab sure. music right around me. But, um, <clears throat> you know, no one at some point I should probably record like a jazz record. And by jazz, I don't mean old smoky, sultry, you know, that kind of thing. I kind of grew up more with fusion jazz in the uh, late seventies, early eighties, Al Demiola, Spyro Gyra, this kind of say, stuff, weather, uh, weather report, that kind of stuff. Dave, you're you going to try your hand a little return to forever. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it kind of is that. And it's funny, Chris Poland, speak of the devil, you know, when we were on the Peace Cells tour, right. he was, he would, he'd always have Return to Forever, uh, some of the later Hendrix stuff, um, and um, Adrian Ballou um, from King Crimson. He had a solo record that was very cool. And also Stanley Clark School Days. So, um, in fact, that Stanley Clark School Days record definitely inspired how I played and even my tone on the So Far So Good So What record, um, which came right after that tour. Does Stanley so, know this? Uh, he does not. I was going to tell him at a bass player magazine event, but he seemed very busy. <laughs> so he didn't give me the time of day. And that's not that it's his fault. He was busy. <laughs> so <laughs> but you, I'm a so you're, you're, you're kind of like, I think it might be time Dave, for you to, to revisit the idea of a country record. You think so? Well, walk into the, walk into the will, light, will, my will, friend. Will you do it with me? Only, Absolutely I mean, if, fucking if, if I'm going there, I'm taking my friends down with me. I'm telling that's, that's, <laughs> you. Probably, you two would probably crush it, to be honest. With you. Yeah, well, I'll see you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, now we know, we, we know we're doing on the boat until the stowaways jam. We're yeah. cutting that, that country record we always wanted to make. That's right. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But really, uh, guys, so uh, let's talk a little bit more about Kings of Thrash. Now, Dave, well, I was interested in it. It's kind of been a while since maybe you've played some of that stuff. When you kind of went back and started revisiting your parts in it, did you kind of go, Jesus Christ, did we really play this fast? Did you kind of you know, was that a little? Question. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. did you kind of go, how did I do this? You know, those parts come back to me like that. I mean, it's funny how Chosen Ones and Scoba Beneath the Skin and Killing and all this stuff, it just came right back. The one song that I, I did have to work on a little bit was Mary Jane, um, just because I know the song in my head and I know the arrangement by heart. But there's some very trippy uh, just note choices um, in, in, the, in some of the riffs, you know. Right, <laughs> so it's like, what the, what the, what were we, when do we do? And um, and I know it's not a lot of movement, so I know it's somewhere under where my hand is. It's somewhere right under there. I just have to find it. And I, oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's what it is. And then it's just kind of getting the motor skill back. Um, so that one probably was one of the more um, just kind of like, I mean, literally haven't played that song. Uh, 25 30 years i mean we may have played it once with the marty and nick rest in peace lineup like in japan in 1991 <laughs> other than that dude we literally haven't played it since then so um but yeah when it comes to the killing record because the tempos are are pretty off the hook um you know one of the things i told the guys i said listen you know again there's these really intimate details and a lot of it are, are in the groove um of these songs and i said i'm not look everybody's heard them at, at breakneck speed on the record you can get that all day long what i want to do is i want to really pull out some of the real flavors in these songs and if that means we have to ratchet a tempo back a couple of beats per minute i'm not talking play it slow i'm talking just mm -hmm. to find that sweet spot even rattlehead when we were playing it with megadeth it's pulled back a little bit, you know, it's on a quick track, there's production or stuff. So we, when Sean Drover was in the band, um, you know, we would put that in the set and we kind of found a tempo that, that it works, it's listenable. 
and it worked in those bigger halls. So, you know, I think that live, you know, for this thing, this isn't about, ah, we're just going to come out and be faster than 1985. It's like, no, screw that. We want to be, you know, we're, now we're experienced veteran musicians. Now we have got a better skill set and better ears and experience to go in and really kind of massage these tunes into a place where they're not only awesome to listen to, super fun to play, but you can really, I think, get out of them some of these deeper details that might have got lost with some of the, you know, primitive recording. That's not primitive recording, but just budget constraints and some of the other things that that were that we were up against back in those days. I only have one request. Could you please play mechanics and, and hook and mouth as I've heard them? 100%. Yeah. And just <laughs> right. so you know, just so you know, and I want to be very clear. We're not pulling tempos back because, like, we can't play the songs faster. And I kind of fuck that. That's bullshit, right? But again, what I'm talking about is, is in particular, um, a skull beneath the skin, and and there's a way to do it. It's it's not a matter of slowing things down to mm -hmm. you know to just sort of wimp out on it. It's about first of all how we play now. The gear is better. The yeah. sonic quality of everything, right? So you can really lean into these things now. And all of a sudden, like, really, like, it's just so cool in the room. It's like, we're really hearing that. And, you know, as you do, when you learn a song, you, you do slow it down to really learn it so you can get the repetition, right? And then as you start to speed it back up, you have these, there's details in these, in these parts, you know, that, uh, cause again, these outside of me and Chris on killing and me and Jeff on so far so good sweat. There's other musicians who didn't weren't there when we were writing and playing them. So it's really fun to break them down, mm -hmm. kind of like you used to do in jazz band, right? We would break songs down, right? You really break them down to understand them. Because when you really understand what's going on with the groove and with all of the, how the different parts fit together, then when you bring them back up to tempo, everybody's really freaking on it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really, it's been a fun process to do that. So yeah, fear not, you will hear them as you've always heard them. <laughs> Um, it's just good. that I think sonically they're going to be pretty fucking face melting. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what would you, uh, what would you love to find at a yard sale? <laughs> Killing is my business record. <laughs> Cause if that guy's got one, then I know we're doing the right thing here. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's Justin's yard sale that I knew he'd already have one. So then. yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I have I have twenty copies yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> he might have a kiss hey, uh, lunchbox though. <laughs> never getting rid of that, and you can't. And I got a diary of a madman lunchbox I came across, and that just made, Ooh, made me cry when I found it. Hey, cool. Dave, yeah. if you had one your last day on Earth, what's going to be your last meal? What are you eating for your <laughs> last meal? <clears throat> well, what do what do they say? Live every day as if it's your last, because one day you're going to be right. So if it happens to be today, it's going to be sloppy Joe's because that's Sick. what I'm having for dinner tonight. Some sloppy Joe's I made last night because so jealous. that's what you do when you grow up on the farm is you make sloppy Joe's. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good I, pick I guess, too. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm writing so I'm putting in my order for sloppy Joe's. Hopefully tonight's not the last one, but if it is, you heard it here. <laughs> And at least yeah. you knew. <laughs> do that little MTV old school doom, doom, doom thing that came through. What do you, you want to do? Tombstone pizza. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> All right. Your order's in. <laughs> That's hey, awesome. Uh, okay. This question you've probably been posed before, but I'm going to hide. Christopher wants to know Have you ever had a chance or have talked to Steve Harris about doing a collaboration on anything? You know, it's funny. Um, I obviously talk, got to know Steve well over the years, which is great. And so is Frank Bello. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, t uh, when Steve was out doing British Lion, he actually invited me and Frank down to do the South American tour with them, um, with Altitudes and Attitude. And unfortunately we could, it's right as when, when we released the album and we couldn't do it because Frank had anthrax dates. So we, <laughs> unfortunately, uh -huh. See, anthrax always getting in the way, right? So, uh, right. <laughs> but it was so cool that Frank was so excited, uh, as was I. I was like, oh my God, <clears throat> you know, like even if he didn't pay us, we'd go do that. You know what I mean? Just oh, how yeah. fun would that be? I mean, for me and me and Frank and Steve together is like a, you know, the trifecta of, of base destruction. It'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, that'd be a hell of a clinic right there. Yeah, so that's that's the only collaboration, a performance collaboration, but not an actual get in the studio collaboration, so which would be awesome. That. 
let me ask you then beyond that is there any artist that you now or that you know you've kind of grown up that you would like to collaborate on a project with you know it would have been great to do something with eddie van halen um oh, yeah. just you know i'm reading this great book by him eruption conversations with eddie van halen and i, I just grew up such a fan of his and um you know at some point you realize all these years later we've all been in the same band right the personalities and just all this stuff right it's all the same um but uh and i got to meet eddie once when i was doing artist relations for pv he came to the nam show got to meet him just for a second um and um but yeah you know when he was especially those early days you know when he would that's the stuff to me that's the that that for me is my van halen if you will you know mm -hmm. uh that would have been a fun so if i can go back in time to just sort of pick any moment any person that would I just like let me be in van halen for like van halen one would have been awesome you know yeah yeah the line starts there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely, absolutely. So. <laughs> um yeah well dave that. we've had you for nearly an hour bud and it's been awesome and i'm super excited Thank just you. personally i'm super excited about what you're doing with this project and i hope it does more dates than what you've got listed right now because i think you have four that you're going to be doing all yeah Coast. we got four yeah i mean you know the thing of it is is you know we just figured okay let's take four kind of put them mm -hmm. in a tight little you know routing out here in the west coast we'll we'll bang them out um like you said danny Zalisco was was one of the early you know kind of kind of co-creator for first you know you know early believer with it so west coast thing and yeah now people are calling um about about us going to south america and pacific rim and europe and stuff so it's yeah it's very cool and as things are now opened up of course that's uh all you know um very possible to do so it's uh, it's I'll, it's great i'm gonna put an idea out to you okay and only because i think it works because you highly influence these guys i think you the kings of thrash go out and do a co-headlining bill with igor and max as they're doing their sepulator early sepulator stuff i think that'd be a banger of a night great idea actually great idea. yeah can you book that on shiprock for like 2028 or something or however long <laughs> that tour would last dear alan, <laughs> dear alan we have an idea exactly. we have an idea for you pal. see if you can jam that in in january real quick so <laughs> man, this man, just in. stop the presses yeah that's right that's right that is um, a great idea though so thank you. Yeah. Hey, uh, listen, everyone, thank you for joining us tonight on uh, Making Ways, episode 86 with our friend here, Dave Ellison. Dave, obviously, will be joining us in, in January of 2023 on Shiprocked, which will also be featuring the the likes of uh, Falling Reverse and uh, Parkway Drive. And uh, Dave is part of the Stowaways, and I'm, I'm sure he'll have some other things we can probably get him involved in. We're looking forward to for right now. Check out the Kings of Thrash. Is that kingsofthrash.com where they can go and get information, Dave? Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. All the information is there. You guys are, I can't believe you actually you were able to get that website domain. Yeah, it's tight. <laughs> I know. You, you know, it's funny. Before you even say anything, any door, you got to go, hold on. I got to go get the dot com, right? Like, you can't <laughs> right. even say, Justin and David are going to make a country record.com. You know, you need to buy, guy, get that before you even have, before it even happens, right? Because some dude will squat on it and, Sell it to you for 10 grand. Someone told me about a new genre out called thrash grass, which bluegrass bands doing thrash kind of thrashy stuff. I said, Dave, we could cash in that right now. Do you know, jump. Well, that's way. that's a happy medium on this country concept. Like we could okay. we could fool everybody and let them think it's gonna be country, but when it comes out, it's actually thrash grass. I like that. That's right. Yeah. We could call it uh ass gas or thrash gas. Yeah, Something nobody rides. Dot, dot, dot. Nobody yes. rides for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, Making Ways is part of the Sound Talent Media family and Evergreen Podcast. Uh, Dave, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you're it, welcome. man. Um, best of luck with everything. We're really looking forward to what else you're going to be doing with this and uh, your other projects. Obviously, the loose is still pretty fresh yeah. to you. And yeah. um, remember, guys, if you if you wake up in the mornings, you're feeling groggy. Dave has a coffee company, so it's awesome. Go thrash coffee, too. yeah. <laughs> Dave can pretty thrash, thrash, thrash coffee. Everything's thrash, right? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> thrash coffee. That's right. That's right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. You dudes. See you. All right. Take care, bud.
Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.